And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. The last couple of days have been, for me, just a good example of what we fail to do sometimes. Tyler mentioned it uh, just about the, the, the weather. And we've gone through a winter. It, it, let's face it, it's Florida. It's not, it wasn't a terrible winter. <clears throat> uh, it's not even bad for Florida. But, I mean, it's winter, and, and it's dark a lot, and it's, you know, it's just different. And then all of a sudden, the sun comes out. And uh, as a native Floridian... I go, oh, now, admittedly, Friday, I got a little bit too much, but that was my own fault. But there's just something about it that, that, that makes us go, thank you. <laughs> right? I, I promise you those out in Texas were grateful for any warming trend that they got. Well, where did that warming trend come from? Does it come from Mother Nature? No, we understand it comes from, directly from the hand of God. So what we're going to see this morning is uh, really um, a story of thankfulness. You know, what we need, what, what, how do we properly show thanks to God for, for whatever. The truth is, He's blessed us all. And we need to be grateful, we need to be thankful. Well, <clears throat> a story is told of a man who was lost in a national forest, a big place, and he's been out there for hours, and he gets so desperate that he, he's telling the story. He says, he got, I got so desperate that I knelt down and prayed. And somebody said, well, did, uh, did, did God answer your prayer? He says, oh, no. He says, uh, uh, before God had a chance, a guide came along and found me and took me out. Well, you laugh because you understand what's going on there. Uh, like that men, many people are blind to the just vast blessings that God daily showers upon them. They wake to see the sun shining, thank you Lord, and don't give thanks to God. They hear the birds chirping, they see the beautiful flowers in the trees despite the pollen. But they don't give it a moment's thought that it's God that has given them those blessings. And beyond that, He's given you the senses to be able to enjoy those blessings. Uh, just yesterday afternoon, uh, well, yesterday evening, actually, Cable and I were out on the Oyster Bay uh, and when the sun went down. And I've never seen this before. That big of a body of water was like glass. We were right when the tide was... It was just right. Let me just put it. It was glass. And I'm like, that just doesn't happen every day. Uh, it was about a week and a half ago we were out on the East River and we saw something we'd never seen in the sun. And when I saw it, I said, I said, look at the sun. It was right down on the horizon and we're looking out. And he turns his head like this and does, because we've got polarized glasses also. We take them off and it's accentuated with polarized glasses. But there was a, there was a three-tiered glow around the sun that I had never seen before. And it had to be some atmospheric condition that was just right that created that. But it was God painting for us in person. And it's like, my goodness. And Caleb's thought is, I just don't get people that don't like outdoors. <laughs> he says, you don't see like stuff like this staring at a TV or whatever. I go, you're right, buddy, you're right. Many people grumble about having to eat the same cereal every morning for breakfast when they don't realize that there's many people around the world that don't get to eat a breakfast at all. They complain about their jobs, forgetting that many would be grateful just to have a job or to even have a body that would allow them to work. 
They complain about their lack of money, forgetting that they spend more on entertainment each month than the average person around the world in third world countries makes in a year. Now, whether you're a believer in Jesus or a person who doesn't even believe in God, the fact is God has blessed you more than you can imagine and certainly more than you deserve. So it's important to understand how to respond properly to God's blessings. To be oblivious to the fact that God is blessing you, or even worse, to take credit for His blessings as if, I don't know, you earned them by your own efforts, that is really to slap God in the face. That is a, that is a slight to our God. The only proper response is to praise Him from a thankful heart. Now these two responses, the proper and the improper, they're illustrated for us in this story of Jesus cleansing the ten leopards. Leopards, lepers. Only one of them returned to give thanks. And he teaches us that we should respond to blessings, God's blessings, by praising Him at Jesus' feet with thankful hearts. So let's pray this morning. Father, You are far too good to us. As your creatures, you take care of us. You give us what we need and so much more. Father, we don't deserve a bit of it. We have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And Lord, we really deserve your condemnation. But in your mercy and your grace, you've given us your son Jesus. And Father, you give everything to us as believers and even to the world at general. Uh, in general, you give uh, more than we certainly deserve. So I pray that you would just tender our hearts this morning to understand that all good things come from your hands. And it's our job to have lips that give thanks to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Luke again picks up this journey motif. Uh, he's back in he's back in Capernaum, which is kind of his headquarters. And and Luke, I think it's back in chapter twelve, turns the corner and says, and he headed towards Jerusalem. This is his final time. This is at the end of his ministry. It's about the last six months of his ministry, and he's somewhere between Galilee and uh, uh, Jerusalem. And he he's on this um, Samaritan border there, the area of Samaria. And he encounters, he goes into a village and he encounters these ten leprous men. Now according to the law, they did what they were supposed to, they kept their distance. But they recognize Jesus. They may not recognize him as Messiah, but they recognize him as the healer. This is Jesus, the one that's been healing people. And they cry out to him for mercy. And rather than drawing near and touching them, that's what he did back in Luke chapter 5 to that leper. He actually just reached out and touched the man. That, you, that, anybody that saw that was blown away. That just did not happen. But Jesus did and he was instantly healed. Well, rather than touching them as he did that, 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 that leper, he simply instructs them, instructs them to go to the priest and, and show themselves to the priest. Now, there would be no point in doing that until they were cleansed of their leprosy. And yet, at this point, they were not cleansed. They had to act with obedient faith. Now, as they were going, they were cleansed. But only one of the ten, the Samaritan, turns back to praise God and gives thanks to Jesus for His great mercy and His power. Now, the strong implication is that the other nine, they were Jews. All right, so you had nine Jews and one Samaritan. Luke seems to be putting his here to uh, just show the increase uh, of rejection of Jesus by the nation of Israel. Whereas, this foreigner receives not only healing for his body, but healing for his soul. He receives salvation. 
So he's he's showing us that the way of salvation is open to all who call upon the Lord. But at the same time, many who have received temporal blessings, physical blessings, let's say, from the Lord, they're in danger of missing the biggest blessing of all. In other words, they're in danger of missing, of having their, their, their highest need met, and that is salvation of their souls. So there's four basic lessons from this story. Number one, we should see our, ourselves as the lepers were, unclean before God and men. Now, I want to review some of the things that we talked about, I don't know how long ago, nine months ago or whatever, in, in Luke chapter 5, when we were looking at that leper. In the Bible, leprosy is the dreaded disease, and it's a picture of sin. Now, this is alluded to in our story today by the fact that the lepers, they are cleansed, not healed. Right? If your body, if you, if you break a limb, you want it to get healed. These lepers were cleansed. It is pointing to sin. Leprosy rendered a man ceremonially unclean, defiled, so that if he was healed, he had to go to the priest and carry out a rather extensive ritual of cleansing before he could be accepted back into the community and worship. Now, in the, in the Bible, leprosy can refer to quite a, a number of, of skin diseases. The most benign forms are those that are limited to a skin discoloration that was called leprosy. Um, and even untreated, that type would usually clear up within a year or two by itself. But in its worst form, uh, leprosy in the Bible is what we call today Hansen's disease. When you think of the bad leprosy, you're thinking of Hansen's disease. And it takes really two basic forms. Uh, they may start with either a white or pinkish discoloration uh, of, of a patch of skin nodules form on the skin and those nodules begin to ulcerate and those ulcers they develop a really foul discharge the eyebrow eyebrows uh, fall out the hair the eyes become hollow become staring the vocal cords become ulcerated the voice becomes hoarse the breath wheezes the hands and feet always ulcerate And slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of these ulcerated growths. Now, the average course of that type of uh, leprosy is 9 to 10 years. It ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. The worst form of leprosy often began with a loss of sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks are affected, so you lose feeling. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands and the feet become like claws. There follows ulcerations of of the hands and the feet. That's almost universal with leprosy. And then comes the progressive loss of finger and toes. In the end, a whole hand or a whole foot might drop off. Now, the duration of that type of of leprosy is 20 to 30 years. And it's a kind of terrible, progressive death in which a man dies an inch at a time. It's awful. Now, while the physical disease was horrible, the terrible social consequences in Israel, uh, they only added to the misery. According to Josephus, lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. Mosaic law prescribed that that person be cut off from society, including his family. He had to wear torn clothing. He had to leave his head uncovered, which Jewish men didn't do in public. He had to cover his lips and shout, 
What did he shout? Unclean. I was going to say unholy, but yeah. Unclean. Unclean. That's so that people wouldn't come close to him and become defiled. Well, Jesus encounters ten such wretched men who banded together. Now, if the nine were Jews and the one we know was a Samaritan, this common tragedy had broken down that traditional separation between the Jews and what the Jews called half-breed Samaritans. Uh, The Jews treated Samaritans as Gentiles, not as part of the Israelite line. They were all outcasts, all ten of these men, separated from the common worship and separated from their own people, seemingly under God's curse. Now here's the kicker. Just extrapolate extrapolate that to today. The Bible wants us all to see ourselves in our natural state before God as spiritual lepers in His sight. Spiritual lepers. God wants us all to see that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. That's what Jeremiah says. Sick with sin, unclean before a holy God. Well, just like this uh, awful disease of leprosy, it separated the leper from the community. Well, sin causes distance and rupture in human relationships, often among family members. And just, just as only God could, could heal this dreaded disease, so only God can heal and cleanse the human heart from the awful disease of sin. Now the proud refusal to acknowledge our true condition as spiritual, le- uh, spiritual lepers before God, that's one of the main reasons people will not receive God's salvation in Christ. We're all prone to say, prone to say I may have my faults, but I'm not as bad as the next guy. Uh, I'm only human, but I'm not a terrible sinner. I'm basically a good person. You know, this is what the Pharisees said, uh, thought about themselves, and, and they missed God's Savior. In fact, who needs a Savior if you're basically a good person? Remember, Jesus said He didn't come to save the righteous, but the unrighteous. So, that's what the lukewarm church at Laodicea thought about themselves. They said, we are rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. To think that you're basically okay in God's sight, that is a surefire way to receive nothing from Him. Now, if these leopards had thought, we may be sick, but we're not all that bad, they wouldn't have cried out to Jesus for mercy. Do you understand mercy? If you stand before a judge and say, have mercy on me, what are you admitting? You're guilty. You have no other recourse but mercy. You are guilty. Uh, and, and you're admitting it. So they knew that they were goners unless God in His power had mercy on them. So the first step to receiving blessings is to acknowledge your desperate condition before Him. You're a spiritual leper. And, and that sense of need, that leads us to our second point. We all should do what these lepers did to call out to Jesus the Master for mercy. Now, among other things, leprosy attacked the vocal cords. So, these men probably could only make a raspy sound, but that didn't stop them from raising their voices and crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So, the gracious Lord Jesus, He is not going to turn a deaf ear to a cry like that. He will hear you. Now, these men knew Jesus by name, but they also called Him Master, Acknowledging his authority. Now, Luke is the only gospel writer that uses this word for master. 
In every other place but here in Luke, it's the disciples referring to Jesus. In Luke, they call Jesus Master. Well, uh, we must put Him in His proper place as Lord and Master when we come to Him. And the lepers pleaded a very simple prayer, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, mercy, like grace, is an undeserved favor of God. Now, grace and mercy do differ. Grace is when you get something that you don't deserve. It's a blessing. It's above what you have earned. All right, so what are some things that we have earned, not, not earned, <laughs> that we have given, that, we have, that we've been given, that we haven't earned? In other words, it's positive in our lives. How about forgiveness of sin? Eternal life. Salvation. Uh, you can go on and on and on about the things that we have been given that we did not deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is not getting what you do deserve. In other words, you are guilty. The only recourse is mercy. And so these men understand their guilt and they're literally calling out for mercy. And mercy also contains the thought of compassion in view of the sufferer's, sufferer's pitiable condition. Yeah, you look at a leper... And you're going to feel for them. And they cry out to Jesus, have mercy. So by crying out for these mercy, these men were acknowledging that they did not deserve healing. They weren't claiming, we're lepers, but we're pretty good lepers. <laughs> we think we're worthy of being cleansed. They knew they had nothing in themselves to earn healing or to commend themselves above anybody else. This is the only way that we can come to God for deliverance from leprosy of sin. And that is to acknowledge that we deserve God's judgment, but we cry out for God's mercy. Now the good news is that God delights to show mercy to those who cry out for it. In Romans chapter 10, Paul tells us that he is abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. When Moses asked to see God's glory, you remember... He says, okay, I'll put you in the, the, the rock over here in this uh, cleft, a, a split in the rock. And I'll put my hand over it and I'll walk by, but then I'll remove my hand as I go by. And you can see my backside. Well, as he's going by, here's what the Lord says about himself. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, above, uh, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Now, his holiness demands that he judge sin. He can't simply sweep sin under the rug. But his mercy is the predominant and leading attribute there. Now, if you've been, been here any time at all, you, this is something that I say regularly, Sin is only paid for two ways. God can't ignore sin. Either you pay for your sin throughout eternity under God's wrath. In other words, you're paying the penalty. Or Jesus paid that penalty on the cross for you. Alright, so He doesn't just... Paul tells us that yes, for a time He passed over sin. This is in the Old Testament. But now it has been paid for. Right, so sin is either paid for by you for your own sin for eternity or by Jesus on the cross. Well, point here is whatever you need, call out to God for mercy. He's full of mercy. 
So third, we should all respond as these lepers responded, with obedient faith. When Jesus healed the leper in Luke 5, he first healed him and then instructed him to go and show himself to the priest. But here, without any evidence of healing, Jesus commands these ten lepers to go and show themselves to the priest. Now, in this situation, uh, they were much more like Naaman, the Syrian, if you, if you go back to the Old Testament in 2 Kings. Elisha told him to go dip himself seven times in the Jordan and he would be clean. Um, so he did and he, he got clean. But this is a test of faith for the ten. Will you go to the priests without being clean? But then it says, as they were going, they were cleansed. So we don't know if it happened all at once. Boom, they're walking along and bam, they're restored. We don't know if it happened one at a time. Scripture doesn't tell us. But suddenly, by the Lord's power, they were all restored to perfect health. Think about this. If they lost fingers or toes, they're back. All of the devastating effects of this terrible disease were erased. It must have been a a really marvelous experience. Now, as I'll argue in just a moment, I I believe that only the man who returned to give thanks to Jesus was saved spiritually. But in spite of that, the cleansing of these lepers pictures what God does to the souls of those who call out to Him for salvation. He instantly cleanses us from all of our sins. He clothes us with His perfect righteousness of Jesus. He restores and heals our souls. Now, the only condition to receive God's healing for our, for our souls is that we take Him at His word. Remember that whoever believes in His Son, Jesus Christ, will not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16, simple. And just as these, these, these lepers didn't first try to clean up and make themselves presentable, well, we are to come to Jesus just as, as we are. We don't have to fix ourselves up, we just come. And just as those, uh, those lepers didn't uh, just believe intellectually, they actually had a faith that obeyed Jesus' words. They were on their way to the priest when they got healed. Well, we must exercise personal obedient faith in Him with regard to His promise to save us from our sins. Now, even though in one sense all ten lepers illustrate saving faith, they took Jesus at His word and acted upon it personally. In another sense, nine fell short of saving faith. The nine got what they wanted from God in terms of healed bodies. They were healed, they were cleansed, but they went no further. They never returned to Jesus to receive the salvation of their souls. They received that temporal blessing, that benefit of of the healed body, but it was only to the one thankful leper who returned that our Lord said, your faith has saved you. Well, in the same way, it's possible to receive God's special blessings in answer to prayer, maybe, you know, healing from a serious illness or disease, and yet to fall short of the best blessing of all. So when we realize that God has blessed us with some temporal blessing, we must not become satisfied with that that and stop there. That's only on the surface. We have other blessings that we need that are, that are spiritual. Well, number four, we all should respond as the one leper did. And he does three things here. He praises God at the feet of Jesus with a thankful heart. Now, the thankful leper, he represents the full fruit of saving faith. Namely, lips that give joyful thanks to his name. 
Now the fact that this man was a Samaritan shows that the way of salvation is open to all who call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus calls him a foreigner. Now that's a word that was on the signs that, that prohibited foreigners from passing any further into the temple. The Gentiles, were the, there was a court of Gentiles and they were allowed to go there, but only Israelites could go beyond that. And Paul tells us that Christ broke down that barrier of the dividing wall so that we who formerly were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, in other words, we were not Israeli, we were not Jews, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, note the leper's praise was really heartfelt. He praised God with a loud voice. Now, before he got healed of his leprosy, his voice maybe, maybe was impaired. But now it's not. It's freed up and he exercises it with full force. Now, others may have been embarrassed by his exuberance, but he didn't care. Jesus had healed him and he was going to make it known. Now, this leopard's glad praise should be that of every person whose heart has been healed by Jesus' mighty power. That should be on our lips, that praise. And twice it says that he praised God. Now, to praise God is to extol his attributes and his actions. It's to exalt him, to let others know how great he is. Now, as the Puritans rightly state, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And the reason is because of His blessings of salvation towards us who deserve only His judgment. Yet we have salvation. So we glorify God. Spurgeon points out that while ten men prayed, and their prayer was very simple, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Short, you know, short little prayer. Although ten men prayed, only one praised. He says that even so, there are far more who are prone to pray in a time of need than to praise God when He meets that need. Hmm. Oswald Chamber looks at it this way. The great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God and it is His blessings that make it difficult. He says, trouble nearly always makes us look to God his blessings are apt to make us look elsewhere. My son and my oldest son and I have talked about this a lot because he's noticed that. When, when things aren't going well, from his perspective, he's all over God. He's in the Bible. He's praying. He's, he's doing everything he should be doing every day. But when that, that, that circumstance is overcome, whatever it is, and, and things get back to a normality... He finds himself drifting away from God. I'm like, son, that is a natural response. Moses twice in Deuteronomy tells the people of Israel, this is the second giving of the law, you know. They're fixing to cross over and Moses is fixing to die. Twice he tells them, look, when you get into this good land, you're going to prosper. God is going to bless you. You're going to have no enemies and you will turn from your God. So don't think that prosperity is the key. For most people, it will actually cause you to get further away from God. I told Austin, the proper response is, when he blesses you, what did the leper do? He came back praising God. Thank you for what you've done. Um, I wish I'd looked it up in between services, but I thought of this during the first services. Several months ago, I did, I did a, um, a sermon from Psalms. 
And it was about magnifying the Lord. And there's two different types of magnify. You can look at a microscope, which I did for 20 years of my life, and look at blood cells. Those things are really small. Well, when you put on a hundred time magnification, you can actually see the blood cells and the white cells and you can call what they are and count them and all that kind of stuff. But, so you're taking really small things and making them bigger so you can actually see them. That's one type of magnify. But there's another. Every night, particularly in Wakulla, Wakulla is a, a relatively dark county. We don't, you know, uh, you can go out and you see these beautiful little pinholes in the sky. We call them stars. They look terribly small, don't they? But we know they are terribly big. What, do we, what does it take to see them? Not a magnifying glass. No, we need a telescope. A telescope actually helps us see things that are large and appreciate just how large they are. That's what our magnify, that's how we're to magnify God. To make Him look as grand and glorious as He really is. Now in that psalm, do you know how it says that you are to magnify God? David says, magnify God with, thank, with um, thanksgiving. <laughs> Simple. How do you make God look big? How do you make God look like He is the God He is? You give thanks. It's with thanksgiving. That's what this leper does. He's been healed. He comes back and he thanks God. Anybody, was there, anybody that was there would have known. Multiple times in Scripture, somebody gets healed and they go shouting through the temple. And what do all the people do? Because this man is shouting praise to God, what do they do? They praise. They give God the glory. Right? Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and do what? Give glory to God in heaven. That's our whole purpose, folks. Remember? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It all really comes down to that. But one of the best ways, and it's not difficult, is to make it a part of your regular speech to give thanks to God. Now, if we kept track, we could do that a thousand times a day and we wouldn't wear it out. But especially when something significant happens, give thanks to God. He's not here. Uh, Lincoln, uh, Ruby, Ruby's sick, by, by the way. Y'all, y'all, she was supposed to be here this morning, but she was sick. Y'all pray for her. Anyway, I was talking to Lincoln, and he was telling me how he got here at FSU. And he says, he says Ruby and I had been praying that God would make it obvious that we wouldn't have two or three choices. We wanted him to make it obvious. That was our prayer. We didn't care where, just make it obvious. Well, they applied and had gotten turned down everywhere. Turned down everywhere. And it was like two days before this season was over where the applications would be no good, they get a call from FSU offering him a position, I mean, offering him the, the doctorate degree, offering to do that, a TA, which is a teaching position, and a bonus for coming and signing. And it's like, okay, did God answer that prayer? Boy, did He! In spades! Well, that's the type of things we need to give glory to God about. Well, if our Lord has delivered our souls from judgment, that's the biggest thing He's ever done for you. I promise you that. If you're a believer, that's the biggest thing God has ever done for you. We ought to let others know about it. 
I have to remind myself that the phrase, praise the Lord, it's not just a slogan. It's not something that's nice to say. It's actually a command. It's an imperative. Praise the Lord. It's what we are to do. If my life is not marked by frequent praise to God for His many and varied blessings, then at, at, at the heart level, I'm not being obedient do you know that prayer is really for this life only? But praise is going to be for eternity. Those who have experienced Jesus' cleansing power should praise Him. It's just that simple. Where do we praise Him? The leper praised at Jesus' feet. Whereas before the man had to keep his distance from Jesus because of the disease, right? It's an unclean thing. Now he comes near to him and he falls down on his face at Jesus' feet. I doubt if he understood uh, the deity of Jesus, okay? He, he didn't know anything about the finer points of doctrine that we like to talk about sometimes. But he did take the proper place of worship at Jesus' feet. And Jesus, if you remember back in John 8 said, or John 5, he who does, does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. We cannot properly praise God if we do not fall in adoration uh, of God at Jesus' feet. He is the eternal God who willingly left the glory of heaven to come to this sinful earth and suffer and die for us. We must spend much time at His feet. Now, the man's position on his, on his face before Jesus, it also shows us the proper attitude of humility. Humility should characterize those who have been healed by His mercy. If it's by His mercy, it means we didn't deserve it. We owe Him everything and can claim nothing is coming from ourselves. This leper wasn't man maintaining his dignity or his self-esteem. He wasn't claiming, well, Jesus did His part and then I did my part. No, he knew he had been whole, healed totally because of Jesus' mercy. So he readily falls on his face before Jesus. And that's where every saved person needs to camp out. That's where we need to spend a good deal of time. Here's another thing. He did it with thankful hearts. The leper was giving thanks to him. The Maasai tribe in West Africa has an unusual way of saying thank you. They bow, they put their forehead on the ground and say, my head is in the dirt. Another African tribe expresses gratitude by sitting for a very long time in front of the hut of the person who did the favor, saying literally, I sit on the ground before you. Now these Africans understand what Thanksgiving is, and they also understand, or it should tell us, why it's so difficult for us. At its core, thanksgiving is an act of humility. It acknowledges our debt to the other person. We say thank you because they've done something for us. We say, God, thank you for that beautiful sky because He's done something for us. Clearly, Jesus was pleased with the expression of the one of His thanks but you know he was grieved at the absence of the other nine. He says, well, weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? Hebrews 13, 15-16 says, Through him, through Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, now here's the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Man. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. 
For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You want to please God? You have lips that give thanks to His name. He will be pleased. I thought about this earlier. I didn't say it. I'm going to say it now. One person that kind of sticks out, and I'm not lifting her up in any way, but it was just so characteristic, uh, was Miss Norma. Didn't matter what was going on in her life. She was, all, she was always, God is good. God is good. That's lips that are giving thanks to His name. Well, every day we should be filled with gratitude for all that the Savior has done for us. Um, when we were spiritual lepers before Him and deserved nothing. Thirteen years before his conversion, uh, John Wesley had a, a conversation one, uh, late one night with the, the, the porter of his college. And it, it deeply impressed him. And it convinced him that there was more to Christianity than as yet he had found. Wesley discovered that the man had only one coat and that nothing had passed his lips that day except a cup of water. And yet his heart was full of gratitude to God. And uh, Wesley said, You thank God when you have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, and no bed to lie upon. What else do you thank Him for? Well, the porter answered, I thank Him that He has given me life and a being, life and being, and a heart to love Him and a desire to serve Him. This man was focused on God. didn't matter what the external circumstances were. He was focused on God. Well, even so, if we who have known Jesus' healing power in our souls, if we'll live each day to praise God, to glorify God with thankful hearts, guess what? Others are going to be drawn to the Savior to find mercy for their souls. Now, we need to learn from this exuberant and thankful leper how to respond to God's blessing, especially to the blessing of salvation. We should join Him in praising God at the feet of Jesus with thankful hearts. Let's pray. Father, we are challenged once again in Your Word. Uh, it is the truth and we know that. And uh, because it's true, <laughs> it's hard. Uh, Father, we thank You that You call us to live lives that, that speak of, of, of Your goodness. Father, that's not ashamed of the name of Jesus simply because of what You have done for us. So I pray that uh, even now that You would uh, just tender our hearts to be sensitive to Your Holy Spirit, to give thanks with lips that continually uh, bless Your name. God, others will be drawn to You in that simple way. Help us to be faithful. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, maybe you're sitting out there this morning and, and you... You know that you're a, what we would call a spiritual leper, right? You're not right with God. You might fall under these nine who have been healed physically. Maybe you've had a touch from God at some point. But you've never committed your life to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says you are a spiritual leper. And there's only one cure, and that's to come to God. Calling on His mercy. These ten came and called on Jesus for His mercy. He says, go to the priest, and, and they were cleansed. Maybe you need cleansing today. Uh, you can only run so far, I can promise you that. How many of you came to, came, to, came to Christ later in life? Just real quick. Yeah, this isn't my testimony. I, I was raised in the church. My dad was a pastor, you know, so I came to know the Lord early on. And the uh, Lord was gracious in not letting me ever get... He let me get crazy a couple times, but He never let me get caught. 
and I learned my lesson. You know, God has just blessed me in that way. Um, others, He lets go through things so that they down the road can minister to others who are going down that same road. Uh, my point being, when you come to the Lord later in life, you can look back on your life of sin and say, whoa. And you can see, generally, most of the time, a significant difference in your life. And you go, yes, God has made a difference. Okay, well, it, it, if that's you, that's fantastic. We need to let folks know about it. And we do it with our mouths, right? We say, thank you, God. That's, that's two simple, three simple words. Thank you, God, for... We need to be a more verbal people and let, let people know about the One that has blessed us so abundantly. They need Him. We need Him too, but they need Him. And if, you're, if you recognize yourself as a spiritual leper this morning that needs cleansing, you need Jesus, you, know, you come forward as we sing a song of invitation and talk to me. We'll sit down with the Bible and I'll show you what the Bible means to be cleansed. Cleansed of your sin. That guilt will chase you for an awful long time. And there's nothing like it in the world when God forgives you of that sin and, and you feel that cleanness that you've never experienced before. I encourage you, if you need Jesus, come today. If you're a believer, I hope that you are praising God. I hope that you are glorifying God with your mouth, with your lips, for His goodness, particularly for His salvation. But just in everyday things, lifting up the name of God. That is a sacrifice that pleases our God. I hope that you are doing it. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.